0: This is another MP3 podcast from 2 NURFM at the University of Newcastle, Australia. Good afternoon, Julian Campbell here, and we've got another great show lined up for you again this week. A bit later in the program, as usual, we're going to look at some of those business tips, we're going to have a look at uh, helping consumers express themselves and uh, uh, the don'ts of persuasion. We're also talking with Brett Gleeson about uh, key performance indicators for your employees, but right now we're going to have a chat with Margaret Harrison. Now Margaret is an inspirational wheat farmer who has, uh, in fact, lifted the spirit of a uh, um, demoralised local community. So let's find out more. Good afternoon, Margaret.
1: Hi, Julian. Great to be with you too.
0: And yes, thank you for joining us. And you're way up there on the Queensland border, I believe.
1: Yes, Julian. I live on a, an isolated, uh, you know, in an isolated community on a wheat farm out here. So, um, yes, we've had our challenges, I think it's fair to say.
0: And I know you're going to be visiting Newcastle in a few weeks to talk at a conference. Uh, but yes. tell us a little bit more about yourself and uh, how, how this inspirational side of you came out.
1: Um, well, Julian, I suppose the first thing to say is that I feel like I'm a really um, ordinary person, but I've had this sort of extraordinary journey over the last few years. Um, you know, I um, until I started I started this music festival in Mangandai because Mungandai had had a decade of drought and you mm. know the town was quite demoralised. We were a town of a thousand people and gradually you know the drought we went down to about six hundred. So it looked like, you know, we really needed something to lift our spirits. And um, it wasn't my idea. It was a man called Mark Walton and he was the chair of woodwind at the Sydney Conservatorium. And he said, "Look, I'll bring some musicians there if you think it'd raise the spirits of the people. If you do the rest." Now, of course, um, I didn't have any understanding that he was going to bring 350 world-class musicians to Mung and that I would have a 1,000 visitors here, you know, and we're talking about a town that has six motel rooms and no public transport in or out. (laughs) So it was really, Julian, I suppose doing that sort of changed my world completely because I had a very small world. I just, you know, was on the farm and, you know, it was the farm and the family agenda for me and I suppose I didn't really realise what I was capable of Mm. and and, it, and the change that it caused um, in myself. You know. So but
0: this caused you, uh, uh, after uh, going through this process, in fact, you went uh, for several years uh, running these uh, festivals, in fact, uh, won the best tourist event in New South Wales. Uh,
1: yes, Julian, and, and it was sort of, um, I suppose it was a shock because it was from a field of 400, you know, with some really big festivals and things in it, you know, Yard and, you know, the um Denilquan Ute Master and all that sort of thing. So it was just that the... Uh, We won on on the the experience that people had while they were here because there are obvious shortcomings, you know, like like accommodation Mm. and everything. Because everything had to be brought in and we had to, you know, put people in tents and cheerers quarters. But we really concentrated on giving them a wonderful experience. And, yes, it it sort of, um, like I said, we had world-class, you know, musicians here, Don Burrows, the Sydney Youth Orchestra, Felicity Urquhart, you know, and all who came for nothing too. So that was another thing that, you know, was quite unusual. Yeah. Well,
0: well, this obviously you wanted to share this with people because it, you, it led you to a, a role in, as a motivational speaker.
1: Yes, and that was quite by accident. I think like a lot of people's careers, Julian, you end up in these things by accident and if you, you know, it's, it's at the point at which you say yes or no to these things that challenge you, I suppose. Um, I had, I was asked to speak at this, um, uh, national leadership conference in, um, 2008 in Melbourne and they did, actually wanted a friend of mine to go who was the, um, you know, who'd won some award. But anyway, I met the people that were organising this and they said, oh, this it sounds like an interesting story. Why don't you come along? But of course, I had no sort of real understanding of what I was actually going to. And when I got there and realised that, like, the Telstra Businesswoman of the Year and the Governor General and, um, CEOs of you know major listed companies were the other people on the stage. Of course, I um, was nearly undone. I think it's fair <laughs> to say. And I went to the bathroom, and if there'd been drugs in there, Julian, I would have <laughs> taken them. You know, like. But I suppose what I decided to do was um, you know just to tell my story, and um, and what I found is that people really related to that story because often we are presented, particularly the the role models for women are often um, you know. They're perfect women and it lo- they look like they have perfect lives. Mm. And I suppose um, I tell people about my failings and yes, I, you know, all the things that, that um, I didn't do very well. And I think um, people appreciated that. And, you know, after that conference, I had sort of like 80 inquiries, but I was still sort of didn't really believe that I was in, you know, people would want to hear my stories. But after that, people kept ringing. So I put my toe in the water slowly and then. Now I sort of um, do lots of it all over Australia, to, not just to women but to, to all sorts of people that I don't really feel I'm qualified to speak to, to listen. But anyway...
0: Well, that's right. Um, that, that's always good to, uh, to to feel that way because. but everyone's got a story in them, haven't they?
1: They have and I really think it's really important that, we, that everyone shares their story, mm-hmm. Julian, because, um, you know, we can learn something from everyone and uh, I think that... Um, particularly if we're willing to, to tell people about the mistakes that we make.
0: So when think, the the yeah. theme that you, is that the theme you speak about now, change and challenge, is that?
1: Yes, well I think um, that that's what I'm talking about at, at this conference, uh, mm. Julian, because I think that, um, I suppose I see change in two areas, change that's forced upon you um, and changes that you want to make yourself and You know, both are are difficult to manage in their own way, like change that is forced upon you because of illness or illness of someone close or, you know, job circumstances or whatever. You know, I suppose I tell people about, you know, the experiences I've had in that area, and I've had some pretty big ones, you know, Mm. um, uh, and then, you know, the changes that you want to make yourself, that, you know, things that you want to do yourself but haven't sort of been game to do. And I talk about how people might, you know, be able to sort of, uh, do some of those because i think that everyone you know as a human being deserves to do you know to do to you know their, follow their dreams and to do some of the things that are important to them even if they think you know that they have too many responsibilities or to, not enough time or whatever to do them
0: and uh, i mean one of your themes is uh, inside every ordinary person there's something extraordinary
1: Yes, Julian, I really think that's true because I think women particularly, um, undersell themselves. Um, I mean, we hear all the data that, you know, that if a woman goes for a job, she thinks she has to, you know, be 90% ready. Whereas if a man goes for a job interview, he thinks he needs to cover 50% of the things, you know, and he's ready. And I think that, um, everybody, every, everybody has, um, something extraordinary to offer. And I think that, even, um, and to to start small, you know, like I think everyone wants to change the world, of course, but I think, you know, you can start in your local community and, I mean, Mm. the music festival was a big thing, but I also, just every week I volunteer and I teach adults how to play music, Mm. you know, like, Mm. because I think that, you know, who would think um, that's not changing the world, but it changes those people's lives in Mungandai, you know, because um, there's lots of things that music do for people, you know, that's important,
0: now the uh, um, Hunter Business Women are putting on the this conference called Thrive in uh, on the nineteenth of August, and uh, you're one of the key speakers there. Um, with the word Thrive, why do you think there are uh, essential ingredients to keep uh, women thriving in their work and their lives?
1: Well, Julian, I think really, um, I think in your work you have to do you have to do work that plays to your strengths. I think that's probably an obvious one, but sometimes. You know, if you're a particularly creative person or whatever, you know, you shouldn't be in something so structured. You know, like, I think that you need to really assess your own strengths and weaknesses yeah. and try to get, work to get work to do that suits those strengths. And Now, I think that that's not... People often aren't doing that, and therefore I think that that sort of causes some conflict and tension in people. And I also think you have to do a job that's congruent with your own values. Yes. You know, like, it, that's really important, I yes. think, because otherwise... Um, you'll never be happy or easy with what you're doing. Um, and in, in our personal lives, look, I think um, this whole idea of work-life balance is sort of a, um, is a cruel illusion. I don't really think there's anything, you know, I don't think it is balanced. Mm. And I think that we have to accept that sometimes, you know, it's more one way, but then at some point in time we have to make it the other way. But, but we're never going to get it even. And even trying to do it, I think, creates a lot of um, conflict and guilt. In yeah.
0: people. Yeah, and of course, uh, if you're doing something pa- that you're passionate about and you're good at and you enjoy, um, don't really, it doesn't really work, is it?
1: Well, I, I think that's absolutely true. And, and when you love your job, you know, I, I, I suppose I, I loved doing the music festival, but I, it actually took over my life for mm. sort of six or seven years, and I didn't do anything else but. And I was a terribly unbalanced woman, mm. you know, and I neglected my family and my friends and my garden and all the things I'd done before um and I like I said I didn't handle that very well and it was difficult for my family you know like mm. um because but I suppose I also didn't want um I was finding stuff out, out about myself Julian that I didn't know and what I was capable of so I didn't want to stop doing it but I think I could have handled it a lot better than I did mm. um so I suppose I talk about some of those mistakes not to make well, uh, if, you know, w- would be uh, what I'll be talking about,
0: yes. Well, thank you very much for your time, Margaret, and uh, we look good forward good. to good. seeing you down here in Newcastle and hearing more of your story. Thank you, Julian. Thank, thank you. you. Bye bye. Bye
1: now.
0: And that was Margaret Harrison, who'll be down here on the 19th of August at the Thrive Conference, the Hunter Business Women's Conference this year. So we look forward to that. And you're listening to Business The Law and You on 2NURFM 103.7. It's 25 minutes past one. Time to go and have a chat with Brett Gleeson at the Business Growth Centre. Good afternoon, Brett.
2: Hi, Julian.
0: And today we're going to be talking about KPIs or key performance indicators. I should use the full word uh, relating to our employees. First of all, I suppose, what is a, a KPI or a key performance indicator?
2: Yeah, a KPI is Julia, a series, just a series of uh, or a set of goals uh, for each employee for a, a set period of time. Um, normally, I would use about five KPIs, and that either be a six-month specific or a twelve-month specific, or a combination of both. So you might have two that are short-term for six months, three that longer-term for for twelve months. It just depends on what you're trying to measure. Sometimes, if if it's over a whole year, then you go that way. If you want some short-term priorities you would put a KPI in for that short term of priority. Once it's achieved and if it's not ongoing then you don't need to have it there. So um, you would either replace it or uh, at the six month period or wait for a twelve month period. So basically your KPIs are linked to your strategic or your business plan and it's a way of mapping um, what you want your employees to do in order to achieve your business plan and your 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 goals in your in your business plan. So uh, yeah, it's, it's a very good way of, of mapping uh, it down right down through into the organisation and, and keeping, keeping people focused and keeping them uh, you know, um, on, on, the, on the task, so to speak. Uh, you must write them down. They've got to be written down. They've got to be agreed to. So, yeah, yeah.
0: Is it difficult to find KPIs for some jobs, though? I mean, you know, for example, a reception position is, it, I mean, obviously a sales position, you can find, find KPIs easily.
2: Yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah, some are more, lend themselves more to, to setting some targets, but other ones, uh, it's a little bit harder to, to do it, but it's often the way you go about that job, uh, it's about the attitude, uh, behind it as well, uh, in terms of a KPI, uh, it can be, you know, how quickly you answer the phone, uh, it could be how extensive the information, you know, rather than saying, we don't do that, we don't sell that, um, being, going that extra mile, basically, I guess, in the sense of saying, well, why we don't sell it or we don't produce it, mm. um, you might know someone else who does, mm-hmm. uh, basically. Uh, a customer will always remember a person who's been very helpful to them and someone who's actually solved their problem. And while they, they will come back to that, that point of, you know, of contact, uh, they've had a very positive experience, even though you didn't sell them anything, they've still had a very positive experience. So that's, that can be sort of embedded into your mm. KPIs as well.
0: And I suppose you use them to to increase the performance of, Well, the employee, but a whole organisation.
2: Exactly. You you can only uh, have a good organisation through having good employees, and uh, uh, employees that perform well means that overall the business is going to perform well. So, yeah, it's also a way of rewarding um, your employees. It's a good thing for an employee to know that they have met their KPIs, um, the employees will find that a good challenge, uh, and uh, they'll, they'll they'll rise to that occasion and uh, take great pride in actually uh, achieving their KPIs. So, so in terms of using, you can you know, use them obviously to drive to drive your business. Uh, rather than just let it amble along. Um, some employees will require a bit of a hands-on approach to guide them through meeting their KPIs. Other ones are going to be a bit more self-sufficient and actually know what they're on about, know what they have got to do. And know how they've got to get get the, get it you know, get done to actually achieve their KPIs. so um, but having that, that conversation every six months means that you 're on target and if the kPI isn't quite right, and you know, we don't always get them right mm. or cir- or circumstances will change that well it was a good idea you know, five months ago now it 's not such a good idea because things have changed in the in the environment, then um, you need to you know just tweak them a little bit so um, but yeah it's, it's very important that, that um, you use them to to guide. To guide people along the way and, and reward them. It's Really important that you acknowledge the KPIs when they've been achieved uh, or exceeded, uh, and, um, well, and those who haven't, then you provide some more guidance to them.
0: And the obvious benefit is that if you employ them, your organisation is going to uh, streak ahead of your competitors. A-
2: absolutely, that's right. And that's the whole—that's the whole uh, reason for you know for, uh, for doing this is, mm. is to, is to uh, achieve your goals and. Uh, yeah empower your employees to take responsibility for their own time uh, and they 're more likely to be engaged and, and active if they're in control of their, of their um, of what they're doing to some extent uh, it 's important that the employee sees where they fit in the organization and how what they do each day actually contributes to the achieving of the business goals and if the business succeeds, then they should succeed as well. So, mm. uh, and it's about that positive, constructive uh, dialogue, rather than just um, in some businesses it's a, like what you might call a, a kick butt attitude. You know, if we catch you doing something wrong, we'll you know we'll you know, punish you for it, rather than the other way around, mm. which is much more constructive and positive. Is to you know, here's what we want you to do. Get on and do it, and we'll help you. We'll help you achieve uh, you know, achieve your goals. So it's. Uh, a much more proactive approach, uh, much more positive approach, uh, and uh, far more empowering for the individual uh, as well, so um, uh, it's good to use them.
0: Well, next week we'll have a look at uh, KPIs for our business, eh?
2: We will. I, will. I might just mention that um, we've actually got on the 11th of, uh, of August um, a, a workshop on addressing employee performance in okay. the workplace. It's a three-hour workshop with uh, Casey Samuels, who's an excellent uh, practitioner trainer, uh, so this stuff around KPIs uh, can actually you know, people can actually get a bit more information about that. It's a three-hour workshop on the eleventh. Details are on our website. So uh, or give us a call, and uh, we'll be happy to um, to book you in.
0: Thank you. Well, we'll talk to you next week.
2: Beautiful. Thanks, Bob.
0: Bye bye. Rick Leeson there from the Business Growth Centre. Well, I'm afraid we've run out of time to look at our business tips today. We've, uh, our guests spoke a little bit longer there. So uh, thank you very much for being with us for the last half hour. I hope you enjoyed the program. Certainly that inspirational wheat farmer, Margaret Harrison, with a, a great story there and a uh, challenge to change. We're all faced with challenges and changes from time to time and we look forward to her visiting Newcastle and those key performance indicators from Brett Gleeson of the Business Growth Centre. Next week, we'll find out some more of those business key performance indicators from Brett Gleeson. We'll also have a chat with psychotherapist Jackie Furu about her bedroom-to-boardroom concept and we'll have some more ideas that will motivate you and improve your business. I'd love your company at the same time for business, the law and you. Until then, have a safe and prosperous week, and as Napoleon Bonaparte once said, nothing is more difficult, and therefore more precious, than to be able to decide.